Ephesians 6, starting in verse 11, uh, is our kind of our foundation scripture. Um, we are actually teaching a series on the war we don't know we're in. Now, some of you may have had your eyes open and you know what war that is. But sometimes we don't know. Sometimes we actually think that it's flesh and blood. It's a war of flesh and blood. But in Ephesians 6, verse 10, it says, um, excuse me, 11, put on God's whole armor, the armor of a heavily armed soldier, which God supplies. And last time I ministered, I ministered along this line of the armor of God. That you, that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. Verse 12, for we are not wrestling with flesh and blood. That is something we have to recognize. If we're going to win this battle, we're not fighting against our brothers and sisters, our family members, even those out in the world. We are fighting against uh, the despotisms, against the powers, against the master spirits who are in the world rulers, who are the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural sphere. We are fighting against an enemy we cannot see. And this enemy is a supernatural enemy. That means we're going to have to have some understanding and some instruction in order to fight successfully in this war and come out win a winner on the other side. So Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 2.11 not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. So you came this morning, and I'm going to work on any ignorance that might be here this morning. Because we need to understand our enemy. I remember many years ago, it was when Kim was a senior in high school, they had a really good football team back in those days. And I won't say anything more about that, but it was a great time for Guyman. And uh, I was just getting into football. I mean, football was, I was excited about football. And uh, I went to every single game this particular year because we wound up going to state and winning that year. So they had this bus that they took all the, the fans uh, uh, there's another name for them, but uh, anyway, it was me and people that wanted to see the game, and, but they didn't want to have to drive. So I got on this bus every time, and uh, I sat by the, the coach's wife on one trip, and we got to talking. Now, this was when Coach Brock was the coach. He was a fabulous coach, a great godly coach. But she told me, she said... Uh, my husband spends hours and hours and hours looking at game film for the, uh, of the opponent that they're getting ready to play. And he will make a chart, and he will, he will chart what 
this team, what percentage this team does a certain thing in a certain circumstance. So he, he is finding out what to expect from the opponent for the reason he wants to win. So if we want to win, we need to know something about our opponent. And he's not just an opponent, he's an enemy. And we need to know about him and the way he works. Because the first thing for winning is to recognize it's the devil. And it's amazing. Sometimes we don't, we don't recognize that it's the devil. And so we just fall right into his plan. We adopt his plan because we don't know that we're fighting against the devil. I ran across a quote from uh, a man that was a, one of the top warlocks in the world. Maybe you've heard of him, John Ramirez. He was, I mean, the devil would come into, Satan would come into his room and talk to him and they would strategize how to destroy people. And then he got saved. So there's hope for everybody. But he made this statement. He said, um, he, he was talking about Halloween. Now we're getting ready to, the world is getting ready to celebrate Halloween. And uh, he said, when you celebrate Halloween, it's like a one-night stand with the devil. He said, uh, to me, it's like, why would you want to cheat on Jesus? Jesus doesn't cheat on you. I don't see the Satanists coming to your church to cheat on the devil. No way. And uh, he, ma he made a quote from Anton LaVey, who is the founder of the Church of Satan. And this is what Anton said. I want to thank every Christian parent for allowing their children to celebrate the devil one night out of the year on Halloween. Now, I didn't say that. He did. So, just want you to know that this holiday coming up, supposedly holiday, is all about the devil and his kingdom. And so we need to be on guard, especially this coming week. We need to be on guard and we need to know our enemy. So I'm just going to give you a little bit of an insight into who, who our enemy is and how he works. So first of all, John 8, says, this is Jesus talking, and he's describing the devil. He said, you are of your father, the devil, and it is your will, he's talking to the Pharisees, to practice the lust and gratify the desires which are characteristic of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a falsehood, he speaks what is natural to him, for he is a liar himself and the father of lies and all that is false. 
So first of all, we have to know that there's no truth in the devil. And he is going to come to lie to you for one purpose. John 10.10. The thief comes but in order, comes only in order to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Why would we play around with someone like that? But Jesus said, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. What a contrast. Two kingdoms, two worlds. We have a choice. I would not want to be in that first part. But Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he will use lying. And we have Lying and deception everywhere in our society today. I mean, there's whole, there's whole community of the media that all they do is lie. They, they can't speak the truth. They have an agenda, and guess whose agenda it is? <coughs> it's the liar. The liar's agenda. I think about 1 Kings. This is 1 Kings, the 13th chapter. This is just an amazing uh, chapter to me. Really happened, I'm sure, because I wrote it down. But there was this uh, prophet from Judah that came to King Jeroboam. And he began to prophesy about the altar and said that there was going to be a man come that was, uh, and he was talking about Josiah later on, and, and he, he gave him a prophecy. And anyway, I won't go into all that because that's not my message. But um, he, then uh, he, the king tried to grab him, and um, his hand, actually his hand withered up. He couldn't even pull it back. And so this, this prophet prayed for the king, and he was healed. Well, the king was excited now. Instead of trying to take him into custody, now he wanted him to pray for him to heal him. And uh, the, the prophet, and so he wanted to take him home with him and give him a reward and give him some food and water, etc. And the, the prophet said this, I was commanded by the word of the Lord you shall eat no bread or drink water or return by the way you came. But there was this old prophet li living there that heard of all of, about this, and he, sent, he got on his donkey, and he went to find this young prophet who was already on his way home. And uh, he said, come back with me and eat and drink with me. And uh, the, the young prophet said, uh, no. The word of the Lord said you shall not eat, drink, or water here, or return by the way you came. So verse 18 is what I want you to look at. In verse 18, it says, he answered, this is 1 Kings 13, 18. He answered, I am a prophet who, who also as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with you to your house that he may eat and drink water. But what is the next phrase? But he lied to him. 
So this young prophet changed from listening to the word of the Lord to listen to this person that he didn't know was lying. And then we find out the results. After he, he had eaten and drank and, and he left, verse 24, and when he was gone, a lion met him by the road and slew him, and his corpse was cast in the way, and the donkey stood by it. The lion also stood by the corpse. So he listened to the lies and was destroyed. The enemy, the lion, the lion destroyed him. God was trying to save his life by telling him what not to do, but he listened to the lies of someone else, and he did opposite of what God said, and the lion destroyed him. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Be well-balanced, temperate, sober of mind, be vigilant and cautious at all times. For that enemy of yours, the devil, roams around like a lion roaring in fierce hunger. What's he's looking for? Someone to seize upon and devour. He's going, that is his purpose. And he's going to start by lying to you to get you out of position so he can destroy you. Because he can't just destroy you at will. You have to be out from under God's protection. And if this young prophet had obeyed God he would have still been under the protection of God. No lion could have ever touched him. So we need to know that the, the devil is going to try to lie to you and get you to misinterpret maybe the word of God or to discount the word of God. Now let me just say up front, if you want to win the battle against the devil, you better know what the Bible says. We talked about that when I talked about the armor of God. We need to be learning. This is a strategy book. This is a winning book. This tells you how to win as a Christian, how to be victorious. We need to know what the Bible says. That's why for the last 40 years, I have read this Bible through every single year. Because I want to get familiar with this Bible. And so when something comes against me, I think, what does the Bible say? What does God say? We've got to know the truth or we can be sucked into a lie. So I just want to encourage you, get familiar with your Bible. If you don't have time a lot, start in the, start in the New Testament. Read the New Testament through again, at least, over and over and over, because that's instruction to the church. So, number one, he's a liar. Uh, number two, he is uh, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. He is an angel of light. Now, 
I, I want to couple angel of light with Revelations 12.10, which says he's an accuser of the brethren. So these two kind of work together. And I believe one of the ways that the enemy likes to work is he likes to use people to accuse the brethren. I, I just, I was looking at Facebook, and, or no, YouTube. I was looking for a certain sermon, and I, uh, a, a YouTube event came up, or a podcast or whatever you call them, uh, video, YouTube video came up, and all I read was the title to it. I saw that the picture on this video was Joel Osteen and, uh, uh, what? Yes, thank you, her name just went, whew. Uh, Joyce Meyer, and it said this, the title, The 50 Most Evil Christians in the World. Now, I did not look at that video. You would, could not pay me to listen to that video or read a book by anyone that is exposing some Christian minister. That's the accuser of the brethren. That's the one that we call the angel of light. Oh, they have this great revelation about how this minister is doing something wrong. And so they're going to expose them. That is the demo most demonic thing. I would not read a book. I don't care if it's a well-known person. I would not read a book that exposes another minister and says that they're wrong. You know why? Because Romans, the 14th chapter, verse, uh, let me just pull out a few verses here in Romans 14. Who are you? to pass judgment on and censor another's household servant. It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he shall stand and be upheld, for the master, the Lord, is mighty to support him and make him stand. There may be ministers that they don't know everything, and they may be, you know, they may not be doing things exactly right. But here it says God's going to support them. You are not their judge. You are not the judge of any minister. God will judge them, right or wrong. The angel of light and the accuser of the brethren will point out faults in other people. And he'll even do that in marriages. He will point out the faults in your spouse. And he will make you think it is your job to fix them or correct them. Is it? Does, how does that work out for you? Not really good. Because you can't affect their heart. And the only way a person can change is if they have a heart change. And God has access to the heart. You don't. 
Now, you can affect them by being so loving and kind and wonderful to them that they'll want to do right. And they... But who wants to do that? When you can get angry or, or spit, spew out poison against somebody. That's the devil's way. And according to um, Ephesians 4.27, it's in the context of your anger. It says, leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. So when you operate in anger, judgmentalism, you are giving the devil an advantage in your life. We need to recognize that. You see, God wants us to walk in love. That's the only way you can always, always, always know that you're doing this right thing. It's when you walk in love. Otherwise, Satan can get an advantage. We get offended. I don't know if anybody here has ever gotten offended. Um, No? Raise your hand if you've never gotten offended. I have gotten offended. But I ran across this saying, The spirit of offense hears things that were never said. It perceives an insult when none was given. Why? Because the devil is a liar. And he will lie to you. I mean, somebody might have just walked right on past you at church and they didn't pay any attention to you. And you will start thinking, I think they're mad at me. What did I do? Well, I didn't do anything. How dare them? And guess who's giving you that commentary? The devil is giving you that commentary. What does love do? Takes no account of a suffered wrong. Takes no, don't even pay attention to it. If, they're, if they honestly are mean to you, you can say, well, it's not my problem. They have a problem. I'm so sorry. They must really have something wrong with them today. And start praying for them. You want to be a winner? You can do that. That's the way to do it. And then last of all, I mean, the last description, this is not the last of my sermon, it's probably getting close, is that Satan is a tempter. I think we've all experienced the temptation of the devil. Now, James, uh, James, the first chapter, Gives us a little insight about temptation. Starting in chapter 1, verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted from God. For God is incapable of being tempted by what is evil, and he himself tempts no one. But every person is tempted when he's drawn away, enticed, and baited by his own evil desires, lusts, and passions. When the evil desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin... Sin, when it is fully matured, does what? Brings forth death. The purpose of temptation is to kill you. Pure and simple. 
Do we have that picture that Brad used last week? Um, how many of you were here last week? Okay, several, some of you were not here. Okay, so uh, just to describe what's going on here, I'm not totally in favor of it, but uh, this is a feeder, uh, probably a very expensive feeder. It has corn in it, and it's, and it's on a timer, and it spews out uh, corn over that area. Now, pigs like corn. So they begin to, they find out, maybe they have a, a spokesman that goes out and churches and then comes back and says, guess what? I have found this place where there is so much corn. I mean, this corn, there is, you don't have to work for it. You just go and you eat it. And so they are drawn to that place. And they are so excited. Look at me. I'm, this is, there's nothing wrong with this. I mean, how could this be wrong? But they don't know that behind the scene, there is this little man called Brad Mendenhall. And he is out to kill and to destroy. And his purpose for making those pigs feel good is to kill them. Now, Brad's not the devil. Uh, but that's the way the devil works. He will start feeding you what feels good to your flesh. He'll feed it to you. And you'll think, there's no consequences here. Hallelujah, I'm feeling good. I know the Bible says don't do it, but there's nothing wrong with it. I think God wants me to feel good. You know, he just wants me to be happy. I know the Bible says no, but he wants me to be happy. This makes me happy. And so it goes on and on, and then suddenly, boom, the gun goes off, and you're dead. And that's exactly what the devil wants. Tempting. The temptation to do wrong. How are we going to resist temptation? How many of you saw the movie The Blind? Oh man, if you haven't seen that picture. Oh, that is an awesome, awesome movie. It's about Phil uh, Robertson, the patriarch of Duck Dynasty. And uh, it's, his, his, it's a true story. And he, he, began to, uh, he, he began to drink alcohol, and it made him feel good. It, it helped him to cope with some of his problems, but then he get, began to drink more and more and more. And then he wound up losing his family, his, his wife, his children. He wound up in squalor, a drunkard, a drunk, didn't have anything, didn't own anything, he was on the road to hell. 
And one day, he, he got a reflection of his face, and he saw the devil in his face. He called for the pastor, and Phil got born again. He got baptized, and I mean, he did a 180. And then he, he kind of was able to get back into his family's life a little bit. They started to kind of trust in him. And then one day, his old friends came to the door and said, it's, it's Christmas. You know how we always went out and we hunted and then we went out and partied? Come go with us. And they kept urging him, come go with us. You remember how much fun we had? You remember this? You remember this? You remember this? You know, we at the movie were saying, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't you remember? And guess what? He didn't do it. He resisted the devil. And now today, he is a spokesman all over this world for Jesus, winning people to the Lord because he did something that we all have to do. We all have to have a place of true repentance. When God begins to show us what we've done wrong, we have to come to a place of true repentance. True repentance is in Mark, the uh, sixth chapter, 12th verse. So they went out everywhere and preached that man should repent. That is, they should change their minds for the better and heartily amend their ways with abhorrence for their past sins. This is true repentance, where you hate the sin. I looked up this word abhorrence. It means a feeling of repulsion, disgust, and loathing. You know, I asked Terry Grice, I said, why did you succeed? He, was, he has a story uh, you wouldn't believe. In prison, on drugs, violence, he, he had a story. And how many years have you been uh, clean? 24 years. But I've known people with the exact same story as his, got out of prison, said, oh, I'm going to serve the Lord, and then they went back. And so I asked him, what was the difference between you and them? And he said, in essence, this isn't his exact words, he said, in essence, I hated the sin. Till you hate and abhor sin in your life, you will always be drawn back to it. There's going to be an open door. You've got to hate the sin because it's like, You know, God doesn't want you to sin because he knows the devil's out there. He knows the devil's out there to steal, kill, and destroy, and he loves you so much. He doesn't want you destroyed. You have my picture up there of one of my family members, four-legged family members. This is my cat. Her name is Stinky. You've seen my cat before. But I have a routine. Every night before it gets dark, 
I go and I find that cat, no matter where she's at, and I put her in the shed and shut the door. My cat does not like to go in sometimes, and I have to explain to her, Stinky, I love you, and I don't want the coyotes and all the predators out there to kill you. I want to keep you alive. So this is part of me keeping you alive is putting you in the shed. Whether you like it or not, it's for your good. I don't know if she understands, though, but I'm going to keep doing it. I let her out during the day, put her in at night. Why? Because I love my kitty. And I know how much God loves us. And he says, there is an enemy out there, a pet predator. It's a lion. He's going about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I want to keep you under the shadow of the Almighty. I want to keep you protected from all the harm of the enemy. Psalms 91 tells us that. Psalms 91 says that if you're in that secret place of the Most High, no evil will befall you, no plague will come nigh your dwelling. You will be off limits to what the devil wants to do to you. If you're going to win that battle, if you're going to be a winner, then we cannot buddy up to the devil at any level. Buddy up to the devil on any level. You can put that on your refrigerator. Don't go along with his plots and his plans. How do you do that? It's a little simple word called no. N-O. No. He wants you to get offended at your somebody? No. I refuse to get offended. And you begin to pray for him. You try to criticize someone else? Say, no. I'm going to make allowances. Because the Bible tells us in James, the fourth chapter, uh, verse 7. What's that first phrase? Be subject to God. Then resist the devil. Stand firm against him and he will flee from you. That word flee means run from you in terror. Now let me read that again. Be subject to God. How do you be subject to God? You do what he tells you to do. In whatever circumstance you are in, you say no. You love. You make allowances. You do what you, he tells you to do. You say, oh, but that's too hard. Let me, let me have another way, a little easier way. There is no other way. It's a supernatural enemy 
that we are fighting, and we need supernatural help. We can't do it on our own. You can't grit your teeth enough to keep from doing something wrong on your own willpower. You need the help of God in your life. And so I want to uh, I want to end with um, James one twelve. Good. This is good news. Blessed, happy, to be envied, James 1.12. Blessed, happy, to be envied is the man or woman who is patient under trial and stands up under temptation. For when he or she has stood the test and been approved, he or she will receive the victor's crown of life which God has promised to those that love him. Wouldn't you rather have the crown of life than the destructive force of the devil working in your life? And I can tell you the crown of life. It's not just here, but it's also hereafter. But it's also here in this life. And just like Phil Robertson resisted the devil... And now he is esteemed all over this United States by people that appreciate people that stand up for God, not the others. The devil will never esteem you. He's going to try to bring you down. But we're going to stand. We're going to stand because we know the war that we're in. Stand with me. We know that the war we're in, we are going to win. He always causes us to triumph in Jesus Christ. Always, 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 always. If you're in Jesus and you're doing what he says to do, you will triumph. It may not be immediate, but oh my goodness, the crown of life is worth it. I can tell you. I can tell you it's worth it. And I know a lot of you out there can say, I've signed up, and I can tell you it's worth it. God is good, and he loves you. And he is out to do good to you if you resist the devil. If you stay out of these traps of the devil. God doesn't want you in those traps But you have a choice. You have a choice. And I had a whole other section that I didn't get to. So I'll do that another time. To let you know how much authority we have over the devil. We have authority over him. He's under our feet. So this morning, as we close... Uh, If you have children in children's church, uh, go ahead and slip out. But I want to take just a few moments to uh, give you an opportunity. Are you fighting a battle with demonic forces? As I've shared this morning, have you recognized, hey, I've been cooperating with the devil. 
I want to change. I want him out of my life. If you do have that problem, then I'm going to give you an opportunity here in just a minute to come up front and we're going to pray. Now, I'd like to have the prayer team come up here right now. Um, thank you, Lord, for our ability to win over the devil through you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So, is there anyone here this morning? This is the most important thing that we can do in this place. Is there anybody here this morning that you don't know for sure that you would go to heaven if you died today? This is something you need to know. Are you born again? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you don't have the power. You don't have what it takes to overcome the enemy. He can just steal, kill, and destroy at will in your life. So if you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life this morning, this is your morning to change kingdoms, to get in the shed, so to speak. So the enemy cannot destroy you. So is there anybody here? Let's just bow our heads. Sometimes it makes it easier for people to acknowledge things. Is there anybody here you don't know for sure that you would go to heaven if you died today? Raise your hand. Okay. I'm looking over the audience. Okay, that's good news because I don't see any hands. If you raised your hand and I didn't see you, I want you to just do like this. Okay? Okay, I didn't see any hands. So that means we're all part of the body of Christ right here in this place. But we all have struggles sometimes. So if you are fighting a demonic force, and you have not got the victory over that demon force, we're going to take authority over that devil in your life and set, be sure you are set free. So keep your heads bowed. I want to ask how many here are really fighting a battle and you have not won yet? You don't feel like you've won yet. You're still struggling. Raise your hand. Okay. Anybody else? Okay. Okay. All right, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for you right now. Then as I dismiss you, you that raised your hand, I want you to come up here and let us pray for you. Once and for all, get that devil off your back. Even if you didn't raise your hand and you feel like you need some prayer, come up here. This is an important part of what we do here in this place. We want you victorious. It has been our honor to offer this message today. 
If you would like to partner with us as we continue to bring the Word of God, we would ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Victory Center with a financial donation. You may do so today via the online giving portal at victorycenter.org. Thank you.